Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to the moments that made me with me, your host, Roxy Nefusi. This week, we are starting something new on the show. It's called Your Moments. It is where I ask you guys, the listeners, to come on and tell me your three defining moments. I had the idea because the first podcast I ever listened to was called The Mop. It was a podcast series where people would come on, I think it was all recorded live on a stage. People would come on and share their life experiences. And I found it so comforting, just hearing real stories, ones that you could relate to, or hearing people who had been through something unbelievable and come out the other side. I really want this to be a podcast for everyone to be able to relate. I just thought, you know what? The idea came to me and it felt so right. So we just recorded the first episode of Your Moments with the most lovely Rebecca and oh my goodness, it was just mind blowing. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. I just want to put a little trigger warning before that we do discuss abuse and eating disorders. So please just bear that in mind before you start. But wow, 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 wow. So enjoy. Please let me know what you think and if you love your moments. Hello and welcome back to The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. This week we are kicking off my very special new part of the series called Your Moments, where I invite you guys to come and tell me your stories. I'm starting the whole series with someone that I've been working with, someone that I absolutely adore, the very, very special Rebecca O'Byrne. Rebecca is a digital strategist, a writer and a content creator and I am so honoured and really just beyond touched that she has decided to come on my show and share her three moments with us. So Rebecca, hello and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is like such an honor, (laughs) such an honor for me. Thank you. It's so amazing. You know what? I couldn't think of anyone I would rather start this part of the series with. And yeah, so thank you so much. As you know, I think I just want to say this is 
all your space to tell your story and anything that you want to edit out afterwards you can anything I want you to be completely comfortable in everything that's spoken about and please don't worry if you change your mind about anything thank you thank you so Rebecca tell us a little bit about you what you do and then we'll kick into your first defining moment so I'm Irish I live in Dublin I have yeah so my I guess my work life is that I help small brands and businesses digitalize their brand and help them grow online and help them with their content creation and so writing and the creative process of that is just what I love so much and I just love nurturing small brands that are you know like individuals behind it and not not like you know big corporations with loads of cash it's like Mm. I just love that personalized experience of people and yeah and then my own Instagram I kind of I took a massive break from that um over the last few years but this year I've gotten back to that so I'm having fun with um, creating content for that again and yeah <laughs> that's kind of what I do well I love your page I'm absolutely obsessed with it it's so chic and for anyone listening it's um I'll leave a link but it's haunt so fabulous and oh my god I actually I want you to help me with my Instagram <laughs> <You're so laughs> you are nailing it you are like yeah. you're st- you're like such an inspiration it's so cool so Rebecca let's start with your first defining moment Okay, so the first defining moment for me is, I guess it's not exactly a moment, but a time in my life that had quite a a huge impact on, so I'm 31, I'll be 32 this year, and it, the first probably, oh gosh, (laughs) the first long part, like the, probably, so basically, I've never shared this in such a public space but um I just feel like I'm ready to just tell my story but um basically from the age of four till 16 I was sexually abused and that had such a huge impact on my life I guess it's been such a huge part of how I formed like from four till 16 so you know they're quite formative years of your life and I guess nobody knew it was happening and as a child I the man would tell me that you know he would kill my family if I said anything so I grew up with this awful fear that you know that that was that that was the way the world was that fear like I came from this space of fear so much and I just have to say that like my family are incredible (laughs) like they just didn't know but I was a very anxious child naturally and it turned into for me a really really destructive eating disorder for anyone listening I just like you know there's like trauma like that and it's only now that I can process this and look back and think wow god it was actually very traumatic you know from 4 till 16 it's 12 years it's quite a formative time um, and of course I developed an eating disorder you know it could have been drugs it could have been alcohol it could have been I don't know gambling it could have been anything but for me I turned to uh yeah I turned to food and I suffered really badly with anorexia for quite a long time yeah so I guess that was not exactly a moment but it was something that has defined a huge part of my life I guess it it has a huge effect on I always think back on it now and I, and I think you know if that if I could go back and if I could ever help someone to 
make like who if they have been been abused in any form you know trauma is trauma it doesn't matter mine is no bigger or smaller than someone else's trauma it's just trauma is trauma and I think but for me it's the silence after that then that's when we internalize all of that that self-hate and the shame and the embarrassment and the silence and so for me, it was, yeah, the eating disorder became a crutch for me and almost like a best friend that then turned into the bitchiest best friend I've ever had. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, I guess, my first moment. And I guess it, I, I realize it's not a moment, but it's um, it's quite a defining part of my my life so far. So, yeah, <laughs> that oh feels like a bit of a bombshell to just like say, but yeah. Well, firstly, I just want to say, I mean, thank you so much for speaking about this openly and for sharing this moment. I can't imagine how it must feel right now to say something like that so publicly. But I also know that I think I read this on one of your posts. Could you know the statistic of people that are abused? Yeah, well, so um, I actually, I did, I connected with a, a charity in Ireland called One in Four, which the it's called that because one in four children will be sexually abused. No. Within, yeah, so like that's 25% of, of children and it, one in four. One in four. Yeah, that's oh what the charity is called. Yeah. And they do amazing work because they work with, it's quite controversial, but they do amazing work where they actually work with the abuser to because they feel that people who, so basically the stats on, on, on abusers is that I say a man, but because I can't remember the stat, but it's almost like 98% or something that it will be a man who abuses a child. But basically, someone who abuses a child will abuse up to 50 children in their lifetime. So if you can stop one person from abusing a child, then you've saved 50 kids' lives from that, that, that awful thing. So yeah, so the stats are, stats are so frighteningly high. Um, and it's funny because, not funny, but it's, it's as, I, as I become a little bit more open about that part of my life, like there are a lot of people that are like, oh my God, you know, I know someone or it's happened to me or, you know, I think the more I open up about it, the more I realize it's not, you know, it's not just like, I'm not, I'm certainly not the only one. Mm -hmm. And I guess the whole movement around Me Too over the last number of years is fantastic. But I just feel like kids, kids don't have that same voice, you know, as an mm -hmm. adult. And I'm not diminishing yeah. the it happening as an adult or, or anything but I do think that children children are so moldable and so I guess you know I, I believed that my family would die like you know I believed that they would die so I went to bed every night hoping like literally hope praying to God that they wouldn't die because I thought it would be my fault so you know children believe what they're told and yes I think that's the part that's quite scary is that for children they don't have that that same platform to speak up you know, also, it's one of those things that because it's so deeply uncomfortable to think about, and so it's so deeply uncomfortable to talk about, and so people don't talk about it. Yeah. And so because they don't talk about it, there's not the awareness, there's not the 
it's it's kind of the worst cycle, isn't it? It just feels so difficult to even fathom that these things happen. Yeah. And then it has the opposite effect because, you know, the silence around it is the worst part of all. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's so true. And it's, you know, I remember I was 16 and I was severely depressed. I wasn't going to school. No one knew why. My mom and dad had been bringing me to doctors. I actually was first hospitalized when I was seven with with um not eating so like the symptoms of the eating disorder started quite young with me the I remember when I told my mom and she she nearly crashed the car she was just like what she couldn't like even though all of the stuff that had you know she was like she looks back now and she's like oh my god but sure there were so many signs you know you were so anxious you were afraid of to stay in anyone's house you didn't want to leave home everything was like really rigid and I was so worried all the time and but she like how could she never even thought that that would would be happening you know because i was i grew up in a loving home like you know i i my parents are incredible people and my brother like like they just but they just didn't know and no one especially like i'm almost 32 as i said so it's it's a while ago now that i was 16 and it's de- it's a long time since i was you know in my like below 10 so that's a long time ago and so they people definitely weren't talking about things like that then you know but you're so right the silence allows it continue could you talk us through that moment where you decided to because was your mum the first person you told yeah yeah I actually to be honest all I remember about that time because I was so so like I was so suicidal at that point and I was we were driving home from a, a doctor's appointment. You know, I was seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist or whatever, because I had been labeled at this point like, oh, you know, she has OCD. She has severe anxiety disorder. She has, you know, and th- that was what people were taught that they were dealing with. But actually underneath it all, all of this had been going on for a long time. And I was just, I was just broken <laughs> as a, you know, I wasn't literally broken, but I was like, I was just struggling to make sense of things. And I remember just uh, just saying it out to mum and I didn't plan on saying it. I think I think as well, I, I had almost boxed it off as something that, you know, I, I, had a, I had no relationship with my body. So I was kind of just, I, I cut myself off from the head down. I was like numb to it. So I, you know, I just said to her what was happening and yeah I think I think it even took her a long time to process that you know to she actually I remember a few years ago she called me after seeing the movie Spotlight um which is about the in Boston where they uncover all the sexual abuse within the church and she said watching that movie she kind of saw my life she saw how it happens you're told not to say anything all that shame is put on you. And then you, you know, everyone in that movie was either on the streets, addicted to drugs, you know, a complete mess, but actually that's not who they are. They had something going on in the background and that's how they were dealing with it. And that's, I guess, my mom saw the eating disorder then as this thing that obviously, God, obviously she created this thing to, in order to deal with what was going on. So yeah, but my mom, my poor mom and dad, like it took them a while to process it because as I said, like they're super, like they're just phenomenal people. And it, it was a shock for them to feel like, oh my God, we didn't, 
we didn't know that this was happening, you know. Cool. Um, so for any parents out there, like I, I always feel like I have to say that I like I never blame my parents because how could they have known, <laughs> you know, mm. how could they have known? But I think the question around or the, the conversation around child abuse now has to be where we look out for these things a little bit more or we, you know, like I would even say if a kid is being really bold or a kid is being, I don't know, they've suddenly kind of a behavioral change. And obviously kids go through so many behavioral changes, of course, but just to just to make to never be afraid to question mm. what's happening. Yeah you know that's such great um, advice and I and I, as I said yeah I just like I never blame my parents because I think and they were doing everything they could to deal with what they thought it was which was they thought she was just or I was just this severely anxious child <laughs> you know yeah. um but yeah no it's definitely something that you know and, and I'm in such a better place now in myself but god it like I just would love for there to be something where that silence doesn't happen because I think the act of abuse you can get over but the the internalization is what ends up creating the big mess you know whereas if I if I had just like said it out loud then it would have been dealt with and I could have moved on a lot quicker but it actually it ruined the first probably 28 years of my life (laughs) That I mean, it's so beautifully articulated the way you've said that, that the act you can, you would have been able to deal with, but the internalization was what broke you. I simultaneously want to cry and hug you and um, also just celebrate your growth. I just, it's very, I think... I just the fact you can talk about this is is just astounding. Like you're so, so strong and for any child, anybody at all, but especially any child to go through Mm -hmm. um, abuse and for you to have gone through it for such a long time. um, I just want you to know that thank you for being here today, because I know at times that wasn't an easy, that wasn't easy for you just to to be here and you are and I just you're fucking amazing (laughs) thank you (laughs) thanks to you for all the help over the last since we started working together it's incredible (laughs) no it's all you it's all you oh my god wow so before we move (laughs) on to your next moment I just want to quickly say if if anybody is listening that suspects a child might be um you know, a victim of sexual abuse, or if anybody's listening that has experienced it, is there any kind of support networks that you know have helped you or any advice you could give to them? I guess my advice in a nutshell would be to, if it is happening to you and you're of the age to be listening to this, then just please, please, please know that like the shame is not yours. The shame is the, the belongs to the other person. Like it's not yours. And if I can say anything, it's please don't stay silent, please. I did for way too long and it's what caused so much of my my destruction in myself. Um, and if you, I, I don't know because I'm in Ireland, but, you know, reach out to whatever it, like if you suspected it's happening to a kid, you know, do not, do not stay silent. Like, and don't be afraid to make a mistake. Like if you make a mistake, that's okay. You know, as in if it's not mm. actually happening, it's yeah, because it's the, oh God, I don't want to rock the boat or, oh, you know, I, God, I wouldn't want to 
embarrass the person or it's like no this is this kid's life you know it's mm. it's like you know my best friend has two little children she's like you you do anything for your kid and it's like yes it's you know and when I look back I was so young and it kids just don't have that same platform that we do as adults so we need to protect children we need to you know stand up and and make give them the voice when they don't have it yet um and also sorry if just to note as well that if a kid does say something which is incredibly brave for a kid to do like please listen <laughs> please don't just yeah. brush it under the carpet or you know that's a huge thing that's happened in this country in Ireland is like you know there's been obviously huge amounts of abuse that happened within the church and all of that stuff and you know it was just brushed under the carpet for so long and people didn't talk about it and but also I just to note as well that like you know anyone who's listening to this you know it it a lot of people even even in my own life won't know that this happened me and they're hearing this maybe for the first time and you know that it's they would never have suspected that of me and mm. or that that had happened to me so it it there's no stereotype to this there's no mm. you know there's no one cookie cutter yeah. you know person that it happens to it can happen anyone and I think we just have to you know if you have any sort of inkling that something's happening just please stand up and say something um and I don't know the the lot like the helplines in the UK or anything like that but maybe we could link that those on the show notes or something yeah. but it, I think the big thing is just silence is what is what causes the biggest destruction in this in these situations in life oh my god thank you so much Rebecca sorry that was oh. a long-winded no <laughs> that was uh, like that was, no that was absolutely perfect and just exactly and I think really what you the the thing that I really love that you said just there was that if you suspect it even if it leaves you embarrassed if it's wrong say it anyway because yeah. we can only be able to you know hopefully reduce change those statistics if we have those uncomfortable conversations exactly and the thing is that the thing that I've learned is is that you know it will always happen as in there will always unfortunately be that evil part of within humans that what evil I don't necessarily mean people are evil but I just mean there will always be that mm. that completely horrific part of humanity so it's about trying to save mm. save people from the aftermath that can actually cause just immense hardship a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So let's go to your second defining moment. My second defining moment, I guess, was the point of so I basically all the eating disorder had been going on for uh, for years um and I had been putting on a big brave face and you know just trying to put my best foot forward the whole time you know I was constantly falling out of things that I was trying to achieve so like you know I didn't finish school because I was in hospital I didn't finish I you know I didn't even get to finish college because I got pulled back even though I'd worked so hard to I went to college in New York and you know I kind of made big steps to get there and I was always really really high achieving but basically I hit rock bottom when I fell in the bathroom and hit my head one day and I didn't know how long I'd been out for because the eating disorder had gotten so bad that I was it had turned to bulimia and the bulimia was just like so horrific because I was getting sick like about 15, 16 times a day. I couldn't keep water down. What happened for me was, so basically that's a moment that I remember. I was like, Rebecca, you know, everyone has been trying to get you well for so long now. You have to do this yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I have to grab control of my own life. I don't want, like this surely isn't what I'm here for. Mm. Like this can't be it. And basically, so for me, for anyone listening with uh, struggling with an eating disorder, like, and it, for me, it was, it was kind of just pure anorexia for a long time. And then, and that was horrific. Like I was on death's door several times and, you know, just the loneliness that I'd, my whole world just shrunk. I was, you know, people I didn't see anyone I didn't everything I just isolated completely from everything um and I was brought home I was sent back to treatment for about the bloody fifth time at this stage um when I was in college my mum came over to New York and she she got me on a plane to the treatment center and um anyway I got out was kind of get doing a little bit better um and I met my my now fiance Paul and um, we met on Tinder. We're together like seven years now. And we met on Tinder. And I remember the eating disorder. I was kind of like functioning. You know, I was able, like a functioning alcoholic, I guess. I was able to, you know, show up in in a way that people thought I was okay. But behind closed doors, I was just an absolute mess. And it was pure anorexia at that point. And then when I met Paul, I had to start eating in front of him. Um, and it very quickly turned to severe bulimia basically because I I you know I couldn't say to him like oh you know I had breakfast this morning when I woke up in his house and he clearly knew I hadn't had breakfast Mm. and so the eating in front of him I then started to get everything up I was like and it quickly within a within about a year of the bulimia I I fell in the bathroom and I was out cold and I had no idea how long 
I'd been there and I just remember feeling like Rebecca this is yeah this is not what we're here for like we I have to take control of my life and for this for so long it had been you know my poor parents being so desperate to get me well Mm. you know because the anorexia had been really nearly killed me and I was just so determined to you know be quote-unquote fine and Mm. you know don't don't question me and that the eating disorder had really um I don't know it just made me really like it didn't I didn't allow anyone in yeah they were just trying to do their best to you know they saw their daughter fading away and then I I whatever I put on a little bit of weight and I was quote-unquote functioning and then and then the bulimia started and I just it was just complete spiral into you know just binging and purging and the binges got so bad and I was so ashamed of that because you know the restriction had been my I felt I guess in control when I was restricting even though it it then took control of me but I felt in control whereas when I was when the binges started I was like the shame of that nearly killed me like I really was just like oh my god this is I can never tell anyone this you know and then getting sick was just a gross process like it's it's not in any way glamorous whatsoever the anorexia and bulimia would you say they are quite different in their the way that they make you feel because is the anorexia sort of perceived control whereas the bulimia is like you say more closer to those feelings of shame and then punishment yeah yeah like I remember like the anorexia for me was my way of like being pure or clean I don't know and maybe that links back to the abuse where it was like I felt dirty I felt dirty from being a used like I always felt like no one would ever want me and so the anorexia for me was like I I had pure I had control over my body I had I was in control even though that was just a perceived control it was my way of being clean and pure and and then the bulimia was just like this to me and I don't want anyone listening to think that this is what I think of people with bulimia but it this is how it felt I felt like it was this gross dirty like I felt, I felt gross. Mm. It was that contrast of being in control to being completely out of control. Like I would, the and, and I'd try to gain control back by not eating, which then created another binge, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so that cycle was something that was difficult to break, but in the end, thankfully, like I did. And, but yeah, that was definitely a moment where I was like, I need to take back control of my life. and. I need to get well for myself so that I can live and not be in this secret world where I'm, you know, living this. And I started a blog like probably nine years ago or 10 years ago now that it was, you know, people. I was at events and I was, you know, kind of back then I was doing collaborations with people and, you know, it was it was. I was the teeny tiniest little bit in front of people and on such a small scale, obviously, but no one suspected it Mm. at that point, you know, because I had gained weight and I was, I was like living this, I guess, false life on Instagram and I was just falling apart inside. Like, so yeah, that was a, that was a definite defining moment for me that I was just, I can't keep 
I can't keep this. I just can't keep going like this. Oh my goodness. Now you wrote a article recently, which I read about your eating disorder. And I was kind of shocked reading it because I think sometimes when you, if you haven't been someone that suffered from an eating disorder and someone describes anorexia, you just think, okay, this is someone that um, doesn't eat or restricts themselves very heavily. But actually some of the details you're including in there, I was so shocked to read, you know, about the candles and the I'm not sleeping. Do you mind just uh, explaining a bit of that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's just it looking back, it is so insane to me how controlled my mind was by by the eating disorder. And I guess the thing that I realize now as well as as a healthy person now is that, you know, the more malnourished you become, the more your brain is susceptible to these obsessional thoughts. Ah, So while mm. you think you're in control, your brain is like, I remember a doctor describing my brain to me as a raisin versus a grape. Our brains should be big and juicy. And my brain had shriveled down to a a raisin. (laughs) So our, our natural ability to rationalize things is gone out the window. Um, So like I used to think that if I was in a room and you know, there was a candle lighting and it said, I don't know, it said pear and something. I'd be like, oh God, no, I can't breathe in this room because I'm ingesting calories. Like I was so from the candle. By, from the candle because mm-hmm. it said pear. Wow. Yeah. Like such intense stuff. Our minds are so powerful, aren't they? So powerful. It's insane. Oh, like it's goodness. quite scary. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, things like I couldn't walk past a bakery I'd hold my breath as I walked past a bakery because I thought that I was ingesting calories because you could smell the bread you know I toothpaste was an issue at certain points and then and then like your body starts to break down you know I remember and I didn't even write this in the article but I remember one night staying in Paul's house um when we were first you know within the first year I guess of us being together and I had a hot water bottle because of course you're always cold when you're you know not well and basically I remember I remember waking up and I'd wet the bed (laughs) and like this is at a as a 25 year old woman you know because Mm. your bladder and the muscles like you know we think that just oh she looks unwell but like you forget the insides like the insides start to disintegrate so I had no control over my bladder anymore and I remember being like oh my god like this guy, what? I'm 25. I've just wet the bed. I remember panicking so hard. And I was like, thank God I had a hot water bottle. And I just quickly said, I quickly woke him up and I said, oh my God, the hot water bottle is burst. We need to change the bed. And he just in his sleep just was like, okay, yeah, quickly. And, you know, it's only now that I can look back and be like, not embarrassed by that, but actually really sad for that girl that that's how, you know, that's how severe people in eating disorders get to and they and I still didn't see that that was an issue (laughs) I still was like no I'm fine no don't question me I'm fine yeah yeah because you know I was yeah so your brain is like those obsessional thoughts become difficult to fight because you're so malnourished you know so nothing you can't rationalize anything and thing about an eating disorder is looking back is that it is such an irrational thing. Like it makes no sense mm. whatsoever. You know, one person, it'll be, they can only eat 
I don't know, white things, or they can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. as in, it's, it's so, um, whereas I would never, I, like, I always remember someone saying, being in treatment with someone who she literally only would eat white things. So she would eat white right. chocolate, whereas I would never eat chocolate in my, in my eating disorder, you know? Right. So like, everyone's just, just so different in the nuances, but yet it all boils down to, there's something going on behind this this isn't what the issue is um yeah absolutely my goodness when you look back I think you know you said it really well just there is that you just there is a sense of sadness and for this kind of young girl who is in so much pain and do you feel that how what, at what point were you able to really because I think when when we've been through anything, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not easy at first to offer our old selves compassion because initially there's always a sense of regret or embarrassment or failure or all these things. And it takes it, there's a, an entire, a period of healing before we're able to really offer our younger selves true love and compassion. And that's what we should all be. That's the goal. That's the, that's the point we want to reach is to be able to offer ourselves that compassion. And wh- when did you get to that point? Uh, yeah, like, because that's so true. I really, really hated my younger self for a long time. And I couldn't, you know, people would say to me, oh, you know, but think of like, think of your inner child. And I'd be like, I hate my inner child. Like, I just saw anything to do with myself as something I just couldn't, I couldn't be near. And it's so lovely to hear you say that because it, it's stopped me in my tracks to think, God, maybe I have done a lot of healing, <laughs> you know, because I, I actually genuinely do feel compassion for that person now. You know, I was just trying to survive. Like, everyone's just trying to survive in the world. None of us know what we're doing, you know, as in mm-hmm. like, we look to people that have have gone things before us or we look to older you know older people and they're they're just they're just figuring it out too and I think mm. I look back now and I really do have compassion and I think that comes from exactly what you said it's it's a certain amount of healing and I think that that's only done by continuing to do the work on yourself inside and like you've shown me over the last year of us knowing each other too that like it's it's being consistent with the things that work and I think then it's you get to a place where you realize like this is a moment for me when you just said and you just asked that question I realize actually yeah actually there has been healing because I I genuinely feel compassion for my younger self now Mm. but I think that that just I think that is a natural a natural progression of doing the work yeah Absolutely. Um, before we go to your third moment, I want to touch on something and feel free if you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I'd love to talk about your relationship with Paul. Um, yeah. And he is, you know, has been your rock, really, hasn't he? Yeah. And, yeah. Just, and you've spoken so highly of your family as well, who are just, my goodness, just incredible. Because really, this is with with everything you know, that has happened with the sexual abuse, with the eating disorder. I can only imagine that that has also been really challenging for your family um, as they try to, because they love you so much and they are, they just sound amazing. And, you know, but with having a romantic relationship, um, how, how was that for you? I think it's been 
difficult and also the most beautiful thing that's ever happened. So Paul and I are together, I think it's like, yeah, it's coming on six or seven years. And he has been there through, I think, when I first met him, I was like, oh my God, I can never tell this guy anything about anything. <laughs> um, and then right. obviously, as you get to know someone, it, you naturally uh, like unfold in front of them a little bit more. Um, and he has been like, I don't know, he's never, he's never flinched at any part of me telling him more about myself. Like he's loved me more, which has been just a shock to me because <laughs> I naturally thought that, you know, oh God, as I tell this guy these things, he's going to run. Um, and he has seen me on my darkest days where I couldn't get out of bed. He's put me in the shower to try and help me wash my hair. Like he, you know, cause I mean, I guess from all of the stuff that I've spoken about here, there's been days where I literally, I was suicidal. Like I, I just, I didn't want to go on. Um, and he was, he has seen that quite deeply and you know to say that he is a beautiful human being is like such an understatement he has he's been so patient with me um and it really makes me feel like just so grateful that I have people in my life that haven't run away like you know like him like my parents my brother my best friend who you know is always there my brother's girlfriend who's also like my best friend as well and you know they've all accepted me and that has allowed me grow and but with Paul and it being obviously like my most intimate relationship I really struggled with that in the beginning because I was like I didn't want to take off my clothes in front of him I didn't want him to see me I did, just didn't want him to see me but he was so patient with that and he was and he still is like there's still parts of me that I'm like I'm not you know, I, I'm not like, there, there's parts of me that are scarred, you know, I guess, even mm. on a sexual level, you know, and that I'm, mm. and he's so gorgeous with that. He's like, I love you. I don't, you know, it's okay. You know, it's a, whatever mm. it is, it's okay. Um, And I think if there's anyone out there who's listening to this, who has someone that, that is, you know, it, that is in the place I was in, you know, it, it's also okay to need help too. Like he needed help too. Like, you even he called you Roxy you know he needed help to know that to know what to do or to know how to manage himself because I was such a mess like I was such a mess I I was crying I was I would scream sometimes and not even know why I like it was like PTSD that I as I worked through my stuff I was not I there was parts of me that were just so um messy um, and I was that mess in front of him and it being my most intimate relationship that was really hard on on Paul you know but he stuck through it and I don't know we're just stronger than ever and it's yeah it's something I'm really really proud of him and I that we've gotten through that together and um, you know like yeah there's just I think there's so much in seeing someone as a human and not as the problem that's trying to be solved, if that makes sense. And um, to see the soul oh, and instead, that. yeah, just to try to see someone's soul instead of, you know, it's very easy to say like, oh, you're such a mess or, you know, whatever. Whereas he would be like really patient and he'd be like, I love you. I love you. This is just a mess right now, but 
it's going to be okay. You know, there was times where he needed to go for a run and get the hell away from me too. But, you know, and I, and I struggled with that too, because when I was maybe suicidal or whatever, I'd be like, oh my God, like I can't be alone. But then I, I had to stand up for myself too, you know, to be like, this is my life. I have to, as much as Paul is there, he can't fix me. I have to, I have to fix me. Um, so I'm glad mm, too that they definitely leaned on him a little bit too much at, at different times. But I'm really glad that now in where I am now that I can see how important it is in any relationship to, I guess, know that the other person isn't there to make you happy. Mm, yeah, I think that is so important. And oh my God, what you just said about to see the person's soul and see them as the person and not the problem that needs to be fixed oh my god that is just so oh those words are just so (laughs) beautiful and I think everybody needs to hear them and write them down I'm going to make a quote into that for sure I need that we need to have that on my feed oh my goodness Rebecca you're amazing okay so let's go on to your third defining moment Okay, so I guess like the first one, it's not necessarily a moment, but it's definitely in the last year. Yeah, just, I guess, getting the hell out of my own way. <laughs> I'd been standing in my own way for so long um, and not doing what I wanted to do and never believing in myself. And like since starting to do, you know, one-to-one work with you where I really really was just so done with my past I've just I feel like I've just thankful like I'm so grateful I wake up every day and I'm like thank I'm not necessarily religious but thank god I am alive today like you know I'm excited to I'm excited to uh I'm excited to get up in the day you know I'm excited for what I'm gonna do and and work with my clients that I love and you know, work towards my own goals with, with Oh So Fabulous, which is my website and all of that. And, you know, I think it's just, it's not necessarily a moment, but it's an accumulation of all the inner work that I've done over the years that it's actually come to something now. And I guess if there's anyone listening where you're in that place where it just feels like the biggest slog and the biggest, like, feels like you're carrying around this, these rocks in your in your heart it's like just keep going because it is it's worth it when you get to that place where you're able to look at it and realize that like I'm not I'm not my eating disorder I'm not the person that was abused I'm just I'm just Rebecca and and shit happens everybody like you know my my story is no no worse than anyone else's it's you know it it, it's just what it is and I think I guess it's not necessarily again a moment but it's it's turning that shit story into something that I'm like I'm actually proud of who I am now and I I used to even be afraid of ever saying that because I was like oh god she people think she's too big for her boots or you know that's a real Irish thing as well to be like play your play everything down like don't ever say anything good about yourself but I'm actually I am actually proud of the person I am now and you know it's it's taken a long ass time to get to this moment but for sure it's just the last probably six months to a year where I've actually stepped out my own way and I'm stepping into 
being in myself and just doing what I want to do and not letting fear stop me like you know like even I'm and this isn't a plug for the masterclass but it it's it was a moment for me where I you know where you and I were were working on things for for me personally and I was like you, you know we suggested to do my masterclass because I was like I do work with clients all the time and I never promote myself I never you know I don't promote the work that I do and I was like why don't I just offer that to people on my Instagram <laughs> you know as something that might benefit people and but I literally just went and then set the date and I was like I'll figure the rest out later <laughs> you know as in instead of being like oh god I'm not good enough to do that and even though I do it every day with it's my clients, amazing. you know, it's like I, I was always stepping in my own mm. way to just say, no, I can't do that or I won't be good. It's like the perfectionist thing because I'm definitely a perfectionist, yeah. but I'm a perfectionist that lets it cripple me into not doing something. So oh, um, yeah. well, perfectionism is massive. It's yeah. su- it's such sabotage. Um, and exactly. I think because- yeah a lot of us see perfectionism as actually this strive to be our best and we can't, we almost glamorize perfectionism but actually yeah. um, it's to, it's total self sabotage in so many totally. ways it just block, if, if it's not perfect then it's not it's not anything we're not going to do it's it either. yeah exactly yeah it's perfect or it's not worth it like yeah. it's there's no in between um so for anybody listening uh Rebecca's masterclass is basically an introduction for any small businesses or whatever level you're at to help you really make the most of your social media. Because I know for sure that social media is our most powerful marketing tool. So really actually being able to understand how to use it effectively is so, so important. So uh, she'll be going through a 75 minute workshop to really help you make the most of your Instagram platform, understand how to use it. This is going to be fucking amazing. I'm so excited. I'm going. I can't wait. I think you can never know enough about how to use social media. And uh, Rebecca's been doing this with so many clients already, and she's absolutely brilliant. I know I know that f- on a personal level. So that's the masterclass for everyone coming, and you can check it out on her Instagram. But Rebecca, I just want to kind of come back to really... I have obviously watched you over the last year and the one thing that has really always struck me no matter what um, was your real desire to be happy to come through this you didn't want to be defined by like you say by the abuse by the eating disorder you knew that there was light on the other side and it wasn't an easy journey, you know, there was, and I think that was, that was a big part of it, wasn't it? Was that going setbacks weren't going back. They were just like a a setback, but you knew you were still on the path going forwards. And then I feel like all of a sudden I just saw it. And I think, yeah, I, I know I said this to you quite a few times, but there is just a moment where it just suddenly shifts and it's yeah. really hard to even believe it, isn't it, at the time? But you just suddenly, you just like, you just, you just kind of cross the line. And then you're yeah. looking back at this old you and you're like, oh my God, I did it. Yeah. Like I remember having that chat with you and it was like, oh my God, I think I'm actually like, I'm actually here. <laughs> like I'm, I'm in myself now. And it's, you really helped me with that in reminding me that, 
you know, to grasp that, to not be afraid of it, that, oh, maybe it's only here for a day and then I'm going to be a mess again. It's okay. It's like, it's you, you know, because the thing about it is, is like, life is hard. Life is, everyday life can be, there are stresses, but it's, it's remembering it, you know, it's remembering what, what we do have and what we are grateful for. And you helped me with that immensely with, you know, focusing on the good, you know, focusing on the life you want to create, not, I can't change the past. I can't go back and make things any different. They were what they were. They, it is what it is. Whereas now, you know, and even all the manifesting workshops that I've gone to with you, it's exactly what you talk about. It's manifesting the life you want to live and the feeling you want to have living that. And that's what, that's what, instead of all the therapy that I've done over the years, which I had to do on some level, but I think for me, the biggest thing is moving forward and looking forward and and not not diminishing the present, but just not trying to fix the past because like it's literally impossible you know yeah oh I love that and and I think a big part wasn't it is the small consistent changes yeah and that's you were really you were so good at committing to small consistent changes that really changed everything yeah yeah it's the yeah and like I remember my best friend saying that to me like for the last few years like it's all the consistent change all the consistent things but then, and like you say, like a year later, oh, you're like, oh my God, I'm in a different place. And it's because, you know, people, when you continue to make the small changes, because, you know, if you're depressed or whatever, going for one walk is not going to change your life, but it's going for the walk every single day, or it's, you know, it's whatever it is, it's doing your journaling or whatever your self-care things are it's doing them every day or every week or whatever, whatever the consistency is. Um, and that's what I, yeah, that's what like you've helped me with so much is, is showing up. And even though you're not seeing the changes in, you know, in the process, it's doing them anyway. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's absolutely. Yeah. Cause, and tell me, tell me some of the things that you've done that you have felt like, because I think some of these things, you know, when we talk about them, sometimes I get, I hear myself and I'm going, you should do journaling. And I think, oh God, I sound like such a cliche. I say it all the time, but these things really do work. So could you just say a few of the things that you've done consistently that you think have really helped for your own healing journey? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So definitely exercise is a huge one for me um, and moving daily for me. I just, it's, it's a huge part of my mental wellness or mental mental well-being now and so and being really like nourishing my body and not not restricting or not you know listening to my body and intuit like intuitively listening and I cannot believe I'm able to say that I feel like I I nourish my body intuitively now because that was such an alien concept to me for a long time but uh definitely connecting with people that I care about um, I, you know, when I'm not in my best place, I isolate from everyone where, so I have to make sure that I'm connecting with people I love and, and care about for sure, focusing on what I do have and focusing on what I love about my life. And um, so like I would regularly write down 
10 things I'm grateful for or I say it out loud like I wake up in the morning and I turn to Paul and I'm like I'm so grateful that we have each other you know or I'll say it to someone like you know because I think I think everyone needs those little things where it's like oh yeah actually I'm really grateful for that you know instead of because the world is so negative at the moment in terms of COVID and you know all the stuff that's going on and it's I think it's focusing on what I, you know, it's crap that restaurants are closed right now. And sorry, and it's crap on one level for the restaurants. But for me, like, I still can eat at home. <laughs> I can still eat with my partner. I can still, you know, make a nice meal at home, as in, like, the luxuries are luxuries. And I think just bringing it back to basics and realizing how much we do have and how much we are, I do have to be grateful for. So gratitude is a huge one. Um, and then yeah journaling like I get a bit of an urge to journal now um, and writing is such a huge love of mine that I it's just it's yeah it's definitely therapeutic to write things out and not I used to be so afraid of it not being perfect that I wouldn't you know I, I'd be afraid to like ruin a whole notebook by writing the wrong thing or something whereas now I'm just like I don't know what I'm writing but I feel this and blah 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 and then suddenly that. like 10 minutes later I'm like I'm in a different mood you know um and then yeah inspired by you so much of like you know just creating a routine creating a morning routine and an evening routine and writing out what I need to get done in the day work-wise and I make two lists I make a Rebecca list and I make a, a work list so I get all my work stuff done and then I make sure that I I'm I'm creating time in my day to take care of Rebecca so whether that's a workout or a Peloton class, or, you know, um, go for a walk, whatever, whatever those things are, even like I do, I do face gym classes online. I love that. It's like just literally facial massage that I love. (laughs) Uh, So I do those. And I but I write them out, because if I don't write things out, I forget to do them, especially if it's for myself. So um, yeah, so lists and routine are huge, are hugely beneficial uh, to me and to my healing um, and connection and gratitude. Rebecca, I honestly just cannot even this is by far one of the highlights of my careers, honestly, is having this conversation. Aww. I am feel so privileged um, and so lucky that I have been able to um, talk with you and give you a platform to talk about things that are can feel really I don't even know the words for them just immense just yeah. you know they they are immense and and to, to to talk with you through things that have been so traumatic um, is a huge honor and even more so to talk with you about them from a place where you really are so in this most incredible point stage of your life um where you have done so much healing where you can finally deservedly enjoy your life wake up excited for the day it is uh one of the greatest things I've ever witnessed is to just see you blossom into this beauty that you um deserve to feel you know how special you are and I've just I'm just so, so, so touched. I'm so grateful. And I know everybody listening will be just probably jaw on the floor most of this conversation and so inspired to hear that it really doesn't 
matter what trauma you have gone through, what you have experienced in your life, you are able, you can empower yourself to make change um, and to take back the control of your life um and not be a victim exactly and can I can I just add something to that if you don't mind really quickly I just want to say like thank you for creating a space where you've been so honest because it for me when I when I you know first came across your work and then we ended up working together on my personal journey like the your honesty and your openness uh, about your journey gave me the courage to face mine and you know it's gorgeous to work with someone that's like you know that we're the same age it's not you know it's not like there's no hierarchy of authority or it's just like we're just humans we're just trying to figure it out and we're not labeling anything we're just like you know shit happens we got to figure it out and then and then we move on and you just honestly I like for anyone listening like Roxy is an incredible human being and thank you Roxy for genuinely I feel like emotional saying that because you know you've you've seen me cry you've seen me break down you've you know it's and and you never gave up and you always saw the you always saw that I had to I just had to keep going and thank you for for that (laughs) and for this as well for yeah thank no. you <laughs> this is so fucking emotional i, I love you I'm right back at you i can thank you so much i what a fucking way to, if i was unsure about doing this now i am absolutely not this is the best decision i have ever made which is to have your stories on this show because there is nothing more inspiring than than hearing people go through pain and come out the other side thank you so much Rebecca and I will be obviously tagging you in the show notes we will add your Instagram and website and helplines to make sure that that is all available Um, so please follow Rebecca she's got a beautiful page she's so amazing I'll be at the masterclass and just thank you thank you thank you Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Your Moments, the little special series of the moments that made me. So if you want to come on the show and share your three defining moments, please email your three moments to Annie at RoxinaFusi.com. We will be going through them all and trying to find some amazing stories to share with you all. Uh, Thank you so much and have a lovely week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.